Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The other day, a good friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, called me up. And she said to me, Lisa, do you remember when we first became friendly, you asked me if I had my suitcases packed under the bed? And I said, I'm not sure I remember that conversation with you, but I've had that conversation with myself a lot. And she said to me, oh, yeah, I remember you asked me that. I was startled by it, and I remember it all these years later. And I've been thinking about that conversation right now. So... Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. I'm a Jewish American or an American Jew, however you want to call it. I consider myself somebody who loves this country and who loves being a Jewish woman. And being a Jewish woman is a combination of my faith, my culture, my reality, my strong love for Israel. It's all there. It's, it, it's, a, it's a way of life. It's a faith. It's a people. It's everything. And... Being an American is so close to my heart. It's who I am. It's, I love this country very, very much. However, I must tell you, when I was a kid and I grew up, I was born in 1960. So just understand the war ended in 1945. There were many people walking around in the 60s and 70s with the Holocaust very, very fresh in their mind. And my parents used to tell me all the time that the story of the Jewish people was one of exile and was one of suitcases that needed to be packed, not actually, but metaphorically in one's head, underneath the bed. And the reason for that was because we might have to leave. When I was in Hebrew high school, I grew up in a little town called Woodmere, which had a lot of Jewish people and a lot of different people. And we went to a Hebrew high school, and we had a teacher, Mira Rosenfeld. And I don't know if she was a Holocaust survivor herself or one generation removed, but she was the one that asked us in our classroom when I was 15 years old, have your parents, who, who here among you, please raise your hand, have their suitcases packed under the bed in case you have to leave. Now, this was in Hebrew High School. And about half of us raised our hands. I was in that half because my parents always spoke to us about the precariousness of being a Jewish person in a society that was overwhelmingly not Jewish. And so there was an insecurity that I grew up with and a fragility 
of our existence in America. And what happened on October 7th has shocked, shocked the American Jewish community in a way that they haven't been shocked in over 50 years. 50 years ago was the 1973 war. Even then, we did not see the explosion of anti-Semitism that we see now. And we are seeing it just this morning in Orange, Connecticut, uh, the Rosa DeLauro's office in Orange, Connecticut was vandalized by people who claim to be pro-Palestinian. Greenwich, this is my own community in Greenwich, the superintendent of schools needed to address anti-Semitic incidents in the schools. There have been a defacing of I stand with Israel signs and placards with red bloody handprints, you know, supposedly bloody red handprints on the signs. And I don't have to tell you about the attempt to intimidate Jews, to corral them into places where they feel unsafe on college campuses all over the place, including uh, a fracas that broke out after some people dressed as Hamas went on a float, you can see it in YouTube yourself, at Tulane University. And a dear friend of mine's son's friend was the person who had his nose broken after he decided to fight back. So. Uh, the, the answer is that Jews have been having a time of reckoning, a time of crisis, and that's what prompted my friend to call me. Are my suitcases packed? I have another dear friend who called to ask me to look into a visa to go to Malta. Malta, I asked, I tell you. Malta is a tiny island not too far from Italy that is home, frankly, to a lot of Muslim people. And it is a place where it feels like you're back in the Middle Ages with the Knights of the Round Table. Not, not the Knights of the Round Table. The Knights uh, that defended the Holy Grail, those Knights, with these enormous, enormous cathedrals and churches with black and white marble of skull and crossbone to show you who was buried underneath. Living mausoleums. And the place reeks of ancient times. But it's on the European continent. And I said to my friend, who is the daughter of Holocaust survivors, both her mother and father, and who has been fearing a day where she's had to leave America her entire life, I said to her, sweetheart, I love you. Malta's the last place I would go. I'll look into it for you. She wants to look into it uh, because they have some kind of residency program that she wants to maybe take advantage of. And, uh, and the most extraordinary thing, I have a very, very close friend. This is a beautiful story. I have a close friend in the Dominican Republic, and she, uh, I met when I took my daughter over 20 years ago to volunteer at an orphanage down there, and we, we then went back another four times, we were there five times, and I met a very, very close friend who was assisting me in making sure that the stuff I would send down to the orphanage wasn't stolen by customs and bad people. She became a close friend of mine. She is a devout Christian. And she and her church wanted me to know that we would be protected, that the Jewish people would be protected. And in case we needed to leave America, which could become a dangerous place, she wanted me to know that I always had a home with her, which was quite beautiful and moving. And uh, so Dominican Republic, Malta, where to go, where to go. So we had the conversation on Sunday in my home. I had the conversation with my daughter and my son-in-law. My son-in-law is Israel. And his entire family is there, his mother, his father, his grandfather, his uncles, his brother. Everybody is in Israel. He's the only one of his immediate family to be here. And they said to, to me very, very strongly that if we have to go anywhere, 
the only place to go as a Jew is back to Israel. To live and die as a Jew, to live and die to defend the Jewish homeland is the only logical and real and spiritual place that Jews belong if, in fact, they are kicked out because they are Jews. Not every Jew feels that way. Some Jews feel like it's only about surviving, and uh, obviously they are supporting and want the state of Israel to be around forever and ever, but just in case it isn't, they believe it's about the survival of them as individuals and the survival of the Jewish people, wherever it is they may live. I want you to know that this is not a conversation that in reality we have ever had as a family, and it, and it is bringing me back to when I was 15 years old and having that in Hebrew high school. And I have an answer to my friend who asked me if my suitcases are packed. And the answer is, I'm no fool, and I watch the news headlines. And I have been watching very closely the resurgence of anti-Semitism in this country, which I consider to be a cancer that needs to be rooted out and routed out as much as possible. It's a cancer that appears in various societies all over the place from time to time. And I attended a lecture that the late Jonathan Sachs was given in his honor called Healing a Fractured World at Carnegie, at Carnegie uh, Hall this, uh, this past uh, Tuesday night. And in that lecture, there was a distinguished panel of extraordinary clergy, including the Archbishop Cardinal Dolan. But among the panel was a Rabbi, Mayor Soloveitchik, who I had not heard before, but who was clearly a man on a different plane of brilliance than other people. And he explained that he saw anti-Semitism throughout the ages mutate and speak in the language of the people that were surrounding it. So he said, for example, in the Middle Ages, it spoke in the language of the church and religion. In the 1930s, it spoke in the language of eugenics and race and racial superiority. And nowadays, it speaks in the language of decolonialism. And he sees a thread that runs through it, and he talks about how even smart people over the ages have intellectualized Jew hate. I have no idea what this latest incarnation is from or not from. There will be scholars and intellects smarter than I who will look into it. But frankly, I am interviewing a lot of educators and professors because I want to know if an insidiousness has somehow infected, an insidiousness and ignorance has somehow infected our college youth. I think it's worth exploring. But the bottom line is that I feel not only held up, but lifted up by my Christian friends. Maybe I've just chosen well, which I know I have. Uh, maybe it is that this country is still an extraordinarily beautiful, wonderful place to be. But I am encouraged and I am heartened by the official response to anti-Semitism here. Because let's keep in mind that while individuals and large thousands of people groups have been shouting death to Jews and death to Jews and uh, Jewish genocide must stop in Israel, the official response of our elected officials in our communities, in our towns, of our school officials in our communities and towns has been a very unequivocal statement of intolerance for this kind of behavior and even intolerance for this kind of language. Now, you and I may have a difference of opinion about the First Amendment. I am an old-fashioned First Amendment absolutist. I believe 
that people should be able to shout hateful things from the rooftops as long as they don't do anything about it. As long as they don't do anything about it, they can shape whatever vile philosophy of life they believe. And I don't think that they should be prosecuted. And I don't think it's a hate crime to speak. When speech becomes action, that's a different story. When speech becomes vandalism, when speech becomes taking signs down, which effectively silences other people's speech, when speech becomes a fist in your face or a mob that gathers to make sure that somebody can't leave their office, that's a different thing. That's menacing. That's threatening. That is not protected by the U.S. Constitution. In fact, that is illegal criminal activity. But I have faith because of the official response of America and Americans that this kind of behavior, anti-Semitism, will be recognized for what it is and will be shouted back down so those people can go under rocks. Am I worried and concerned that thousands and thousands of people in this country equate the rights of Palestinians with Hamas? Yes, I am. And that's where I believe we have woefully undereducated woefully, woefully misled and allowed the misleading of people in our high schools, colleges, and universities. And maybe it's because the kingdom of Qatar, which is one of the most intolerant societies on earth, has given $4.7 billion to United States universities and institutions in the last 15 years, including over $600 million to Northwestern University alone to start a school of journalism and to have Northwestern appear in Qatar, even though they themselves acknowledge that they do not have free speech. So they have endowed a school of journalism that teaches its children, that teaches its would-be journalists, that there are things that they cannot cover honestly and objectively. Do I believe that the infiltration by Qatar and others in the Arab world have a secondary agenda? Yes, I think it's obvious that they do, because it coincides with the emergence of people on our college campuses, professors on our college campuses, like the professor at Cornell, who celebrated that he was exhilarated in the aftermath of the Hamas attack. Exhilarated was the word that he used. Exhilarated, celebrating terrorism. Are those the kind of people that I think belong teaching on our college campuses? No, I do not. Do I believe there are forces at work in America that would like to undermine undermine the idea of a state of Israel that is a homeland to Jewish people? Yes, I do. But right now, and will it be the same now as 25 years from now that it is today? I don't know. God willing, I'll be around to tell you. But I will say that right now, in answer to the question, are my suitcases packed? The answer is no, not really. Not really. Will I be keeping an eye out? Yes, I will. Do I still have faith in and love the United States of America above all. Yes, I do. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 